Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Awesome to have you here. We're not going to be long. I just want to just encourage you with the Word of God, the Word that God has placed on my heart this week. It's kind of tag-teaming our message last week. If you weren't with us last week, you can catch the message on Facebook. It's listed as one of our posts, and so I encourage you to do that. Uh, But something that God has touched me with this week, I was listening to another pastor in the, uh, just online, one of the podcasts I listen to on a regular basis, and he just brought to life this passage of scripture that is near and dear to my heart. And it's a passage that um, when my wife, for my birthday, uh, a year or so ago, she redid my office, and in my office she put on my wall, she framed this chapter because it it meant a lot to me. And so on my wall is Psalm chapter 91. And uh, we're going to read a portion of that at the end. But I just want to start off by just encouraging you because right now in this state of emergency, as we're looking at all the things happening around the world, more and more posts coming out on social media about the dire straits our medical professionals are in, And there's just a lot of fear. The enemy is capitalizing on all of this to put us all in this state of fear. And so last week we talked about disconnecting from the noise and allowing that feeling of fear to really become a signal, to become a warning to us that we need to stop and we need to first enter Abba's rest, that we need to get alone with God and shift our focus from what's happening in the world and all the crazy to what God is saying and doing right here in the midst, to what He wants to uh, encourage us with, how He wants to bring us into even greater faith and greater trust in Him, to find our peace, our joy, our happiness, everything that we long for, everything we need is found in Jesus. Amen? I can't hear you say amen, but I'm just going to assume the fingers are typing and all the amens are coming in. So uh, I just uh, want to get that interaction. But, but Jesus is the source of everything that we need. And in Psalm 91, it begins from the very first verse. It says, those who live in the shadow of the Most High. What, what that's telling us is that there are people who live in the presence of God, and then there are those who live outside of the presence of God. And sometimes the tendency is, even for believers in Jesus, for followers of Christ, that we spend our whole lives managing our lives ourselves. We spend our whole lives planning our whole lives. We, we arrange it every, every way that we want. And then we just add God in there a little bit at a time. Yeah, a little God here on Sunday, a little God here on a holiday, maybe a little God here during um, you know, a portion of our day. Maybe we get a quick five-minute devotional in. But for by and large, we literally lead our own lives. And so when chaos, when, when disaster strikes, when trouble times come, we are a wreck because we realize the true truth, the absolute truth, that we're not in control. And we can never be in control. 
that there are things outside of our control, our ability to hold our lives together, and that we actually need God. And when we're in that place, we get frantic, because now we're like, okay, how do I find God? How do I get God's number and, and get into His presence and, and, and find blessing, because my life is falling apart. And so we're encouraging you to let the Holy Spirit begin a shift in your life this morning, that you shift from living a life that lives outside of His presence to a life that lives in the shadow of the Most High. Rather than going to God during dark times, we could be living in the presence of God, and when dark times come, we will not be shaken. Fear is a weapon of the enemy that he uses to cripple our faith, to rob you of the birthright as a child of God. There are many blessings that God has promised, that God gives for every one of his children. And when fear is allowed to take root and to take over, it stifles what God wants to bring into our lives. So we first, when feeling fear, need to enter Abba's rest. But now we're going to spin it another way because the tendency when feeling fear is to isolate, to hunker down, to get under the covers and, and get under your bed and, and just you know, put your fingers in your ears, sing la 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 until it all goes away, right? We, we try to just you know, hide until the, the danger disappears. And we kind of do this socially, we do this uh, in, in a lot of different ways, financially. But when fear comes in and scary times like this happens, it's not the moment for the child of God, for Christians, for believers in Christ, those who have the Holy Spirit, to isolate or to go into hiding. But it's a time to remind us that fear also produces a faith in us that requires a response. And so today our acronym FEAR is going to stand for Faith Engaged Activates a Response. Faith Engaged Activates a Response. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about what is faith. You see, without an element of fear, you actually can't have faith. It's just like courage. It, you, you're not courageous if there's not at least something to overcome. There's not a fearful circumstance to overcome. Faith is, in essence, like the same. It's acting in the face of fear. It's acting and believing God, trusting His promises, even when you're unsure, even when things look scary, even when it doesn't look like the circumstance is going to pan out. So the first letter in the word fear I want to look at is the word, uh, letter F, and that for us today is the word faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, the Bible defines for us what faith is. Faith, the Bible says, shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Right there, I just want to remind you and encourage you that faith is tangible. Right? It's, it's not this nebulous idea that we talk about. It's actually something you can quantify. It's something you can see. It's something that you can wrap your arms around. It's something that is tangible in life. There should be something to show for your faith. It's got substance to it. And it reveals the reality of things we cannot see. Number Verse 2, talking about great people of faith. It says, through their faith, people in the days of old earned a good reputation. Hebrews chapter 11 is going to tell us all sorts about people in the, in the Bible, the Old Testament, that through their faith did, 
did amazing things, that God accomplished wonders and miracles and, and huge feats of strength in things through them that, that normal human beings don't normally experience. And it's telling us that the only reason why that happened is because of their faith and their trust in God. It's because their faith was tangible. When you read the stories of these men and women of faith, the stories don't go like this, that they believed God and so they hid. The way it goes is that they believed God and so they did. That there was something that was a result of the faith, of the trust, of the belief that they had in their lives. One of the most famous stories in the Bible is the story of David. And we're not going to go through the whole story. But in that story, before David even stands toe-to-toe -to -toe with the giant, King Saul, king of Israel, is encamped with his army on the other side of the valley against the Philistines. Goliath is there taunting the nation of Israel. He's saying, if you can send out one person to defeat me, then we'll be your slaves. But if we defeat you, you'll be our slaves. And here King Saul, the king of Israel, with every latest uh, piece of weaponry at his, uh, his disposal, the best armor and, and weapons that he could have, the mightiest of militaries. He even had a prophecy spoken over him by the great prophet Samuel that he would be a slayer of Philistines, that he would free the nation from the Philistines. And here he's up against his army. But where is Saul to be found? He had everything he could ever want, all he could ever need, and he's hiding in his tent. Why? Because he didn't have faith. He said he believed God, but he didn't believe God enough to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Goliath. But yet there's this young boy named David who believed in who God was. He knew who God was. He knew who God, what God could do. And with a sling and a stone, this young boy stood against this towering giant and he defeated the enemy. Why? Because when faith is brought into reality, miracles happen. When faith is brought into reality, miracles happen. And so it's not enough just to say you have faith. We need to, number two, engage our faith. The letter E is engage. The word engage means to become involved in or to become occupied with. Paul in the book of Galatians in the New Testament tells us to be occupied with the Holy Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. Which means, just like Psalm 91 it says, live in the presence of God. Paul in Galatians is saying, live in that reality where you're continually aware of God's presence. Continually aware of what God is doing in your life. What God is saying in your life. What God wants for you in your life. That we need to live in that space. And without engaging our faith, we won't be able to live in that space. Hebrews 11, 6 the writer of Hebrews says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Now, think about that for a minute. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. All right, right? That's something we need to soak in our hearts this morning. We need to wrap our heads around that. It's impossible to please God without faith. So what does that look like? Verse 6, it says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. 
So even before we can be saved, we can have our sins forgiven, we can become a child of God, we can receive the Holy Spirit, faith has to be at work. And there's two elements that go hand in hand for that faith, that saving faith to come to work in your life. Number one, it says you must first believe. That, that's internal. That's that internal part that says, I trust, I believe, I agree with what God says. I agree that God exists. I agree that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for my sins, he rose from the grave. I agree with that. But it's not enough just to agree internally. It then, Hebrews eleven six says, you must seek, that, that God rewards those who seek him. That faith has to go from inside to the outside. It's got to go from inward to the outward, from internal to external. Faith is the marriage, it's the perfect marriage between belief and action. When belief and action come together, it gives rise to true and powerful faith. James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 1, 22 through 25, he says this, encouraging the church, he says, don't just listen to the word of God, you must do what it says, otherwise you're fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. This to me is kind of a funny illustration. If you think about it, picture this with me. I know it's kind of difficult right now because we're all confined to our homes and most of us don't have to go anywhere. I think probably some of you are watching this still in your pajamas, which is okay because no one else can see you except I can see you. No, I can't really see you, but I just wanted to make you nervous there for a minute. But uh, you know, there's this running meme on Facebook of this picture of this guy in a suit. He's got a suit from the, the, the waist up, and he's got his laptop on his computer, and but from the waist down, he's in his boxer shorts, and it is a meme that's making fun of online pastors because of the current situation. It's pretty funny, and some pastor humor there. But... Uh, but right here in this moment, if you can think about a normal day without this pandemic, without this stuff going on, you're, you're, you get up, you go brush your teeth, you look at yourself in the mirror, your hair's all whacked because of the pillow, and you got your pajamas on, you look like you just maybe woke up out of a garbage heap, you're just a mess, you're a wreck. Imagine if you would go downstairs, and, and as you're, you're doing your thing, you'd realize, huh, I need something from the store. And instead of going upstairs to get ready, you just put your shoes on, get in the car, and go on to the store, forgetting what you look like. And then you're at the store, and everyone's looking at you like, what's, you know, what happened to that person? I mean, they must have had a rough night, you know? And it's just kind of a crazy thing to think about. But that's what James is saying. He's saying, what good is the mirror that's there to give you a reflection of what you're actually like, what your life is actually like, if you don't pay attention to what is in the mirror. If you don't do anything with what you see, and that's what God's word is like. What's the purpose? What's the point of saying you have faith, with saying you believe Jesus, that you trust in the word of God, that you believe his promises, if you're not going to allow it to have an effect in your life? It's not about being religious, where you do all this stuff and then God's happy with you. It's about a relationship that transforms you. It's not about a religion where you do all this stuff that God could somehow be happy with you. It's about a relationship with God that transforms you. And it transforms you from the inside out. He continues in chapter 2, verses 24. He says, You say you have faith, 
or you believe that there's one God, there's a lot of people that believe in God, this is good for you. But even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Think about what he's saying. He's saying that just because you believe in God is not enough. That the devil himself believes in God. But think about the devil. The devil wants nothing to do with God. He lives in the opposition to what God desires. He, he doesn't do anything God wants. He works against God. He, he tries to be God of his own life. But yet he believes. He knows that God exists. What James is telling us is just believing in God is not enough. If you say you believe, but it doesn't bring you into relationship, fellowship with God, you're as good as the devil. There's no difference. That your faith is useless, just like the enemy. In verse 20, he says, How foolish! Can't you see faith without good deeds is useless? A faith that doesn't bring you into agreement with God with your life, into fellowship with God, is useless. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone, not just by saying we believe alone. It's a marriage between what we say we believe and how we live. If what you believe does not affect the way you live, then what you believe is in vain. And it's sad that many people who are outside of the church, who don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, that have no relationship with God, they look at many of us and say, if they really believe what they say they believe, then they should be living a different way. There should be a difference. There should be a marked difference. And many of us get caught up in that trap where we think what we say is enough. It's not enough. And I want to challenge you that we are here, that we are pressing into God, that we need to give God our hearts so that our faith can be made sight, that what we believe on the inside can come on the outside. A faith that doesn't mature into physical reality is not a faith at all. But true faith compels us into action. Letter A is the word activate. To activate means to make something active or operative. When you engage your faith, when you allow faith to become engaged, it becomes active or operative in your life. Jesus, in Matthew 17, 20, he's engaging with his disciples because there was this situation where his disciples were trying to minister to a man whose son was ill. He, he was uh, dealing with some difficulties and they couldn't heal him. And they had success before. Jesus had sent them out with great authority. They had lots of success. But in this case, they couldn't help this young boy. So the father takes the son to Jesus and Jesus heals him instantaneously. And later the disciples come to him and say, why why couldn't we heal this boy? You know, why, why didn't it work like the last time? It, it seems like it, what we did before worked. Why didn't this work? And Jesus in Matthew 17, 20, he says this. He says, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. What was the mountain? The mountain was this illness, this issue that the boy was dealing with. And Jesus was saying, if you had enough faith that this mountain would move, 
In other words, if you didn't quit, if you kept going, if you kept holding on to what you knew was true, the authority that you have because you're my disciples, because of the relationship we have together, if you kept holding on to the promises, you would see the miracle in due season. But the disciples had a problem. What was it? They gave up. They quit. They, they, they stopped pursuing. They stopped believing. They stopped going after the things of God in this case of this boy. You see, when we don't see God move as quickly as we want in situations and circumstances, when we're praying for things and it doesn't happen right away, it doesn't mean that God is disinterested. It doesn't mean that God's mean or that he doesn't care. It might mean that God is just testing us to see what kind of faith we have. If it's a faith that holds on, if it's a faith that doesn't give up, if it's a faith that believes that God actually is good, that he's in control and he's actually good, that he has our best interests at heart, that his plans for us, like the song we sang, are to prosper us or to, to bring good things into our lives. It, it's, it's this testing, it's this invitation to believe, to trust, and then to continue to act on that so true faith can come alive in your life. You know, I don't know, other than, you know, this virus and all the stuff that we're dealing with, I don't know what miracles you're believing for. I don't know what struggles that you're having. Maybe it's just that all this chaos would come to an end. But maybe there's other things that you've been believing God for, that you've been praying for, and just it just hasn't happened. Let me encourage you today to not let your faith wane, not to let your belief just be words. But hold on. Activate your faith. Continue to pursue. Continue to go after it. Don't give up. And I truly believe that the miracle is going to come. And miracles come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes we see what we expect. Sometimes we see what we don't. But God is always faithful to work out good in every situation. You know, hope and hopelessness are contagious. And when we activate our faith, what we're choosing to is to spread hope, to hold on to the promise, to cling to what we know is true. Hope and hopelessness are contagious. We have to decide what type of infection we're going to spread. You see, when we're walking in hope, when we're walking in faith, it will rub off on other people. And so will hopelessness. There's a lot of hopelessness being shared online. There's a lot of hopelessness being spoken of. There's a lot of fear. You can see it when you go to the store, when you, you go to the gas station. There's a lot of hopelessness. But what are we going to do as people of faith? Are we going to let their hopelessness affect us? Or are we going to let our hope affect them? I had the opportunity the other day just to encourage one of the cashiers at Walmart. Just You could see the hopelessness, the, the struggle in their lives and just saying, you know what, we appreciate you being here. We know you have a choice to be here or not. And we thank you for being here so we can get what we need. And just encouraging her that God's still in control and that God, God's got a plan. And just to see that change her disposition in this conversation. This, the opportunities that we have as the people of God to hold on to our faith and let our faith make a positive impact in other people. Last letter in the word fear is the word, letter R, and it's the word response. The letter R, our faith Engaged, it activates a response. A response to what? A response to God's invitation to trust Him. God is inviting us in every time we're afraid to trust Him. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Psalms is Psalm 27. It says, 
that why should I be afraid? Why should I tremble? God is my light and my salvation. It, it, it's this reality that when I feel afraid, it's my invitation to respond, to trust in the Lord. See, the difference between faith and fear really is how we respond in circumstances. It's what we choose to do in those moments. Faith is a response to something, but really for us as children of God, it's a response to someone. It's a response to Jesus Christ. When we respond to who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross, we're responding to his promises that all who are weary and heavy laden, if you come to me, I will give you rest. It's his response that if you uh, come to him, you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That if you declare Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be brought into a relationship with God that will transform your life. You won't become perfect, but you will be a new creation. You'll be altogether new. And in times of crisis, as we walk with God, as we walk in the Holy Spirit, as we're aware of His promises, as we're getting alone with God and entering His rest and then activating our faith to be a blessing to other people, there are just a few things that I want to encourage you as we go through this time together. How do we respond in this time of crisis as the children of God? Number one, we walk in faith, not fear. We, we're going to be wise. We're going to take precaution. You know, I've heard it said a lot this week. You know, we, we believe God, but yet you know, we wash our hands before we eat. We believe God, yet we put our seatbelt on when we get in the car. We don't think we're going to get in a car crash. We're not going to walk in fear thinking we're all going to get sick. But we are going to take precaution. We are going to follow what the CDC and our government is encouraging us to do. But we're not going to walk in fear and look over our shoulder for every little thing. We're going to trust God that He is healer, that He's protecting us, He is watching over us. But number two, we're not just going to let it be internal, we're going to engage our faith. And what does that look like? Number one, we're going to engage in prayer. The easiest and simplest thing you can do is engage in prayer. You know, many of us, I mean, think about it. In one moment, God has pushed the pause button on almost the entire planet. The whole world has been stopped in what it's normally doing. Many people are at home, not working their jobs. Some are working from home, but many are just you know, spending time at home, spending time with the family. We have more time now to see God than ever. And we have a promise from God in 2 Chronicles 7 that says if God's people humble themselves and pray, seek His face, turn from sin, that He will hear their prayer and heal their land. This is an opportunity for God's people to rise up, seek Him like never before, and be a part of the miracle that puts this whole pandemic to rest. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our friends. We're going to pray for our family. Pray for our community, for our first responders, for our frontline medical workers. Pray for our government, that they have wisdom, that they put to rest all politics and partisanship, and they just focus on the issue at hand. We're going to pray for the economy, that people are able to go and stay working and stay uh, employed and keep their finances coming, that God would provide for their needs. Number two, we're going to engage in spiritual community in community with one another. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, as the church was coming together, the believers were forming a new community, and Acts 2, 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves 
And it lists several things that they devoted themselves to doing. To, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, sharing in meals. They got together. They connected. During this time, we don't need to separate and stay separate. We need to connect more and more and more. And so as a believer in Christ, you're to, one way to activate your faith is not wait on someone to connect with you, but to connect with someone else and say, I'm going to share hope today. I'm going to encourage somebody today. I'm going to make a phone call. Yes, the, the phones that we have, they actually make calls. They're not just for, for looking at Facebook. You can actually put it in your ear and talk on the phone. And, and if that's too complicated, you can make a video call and look at somebody while you're calling. Right? You can do that. Don't just wait on the pastor to call you, right? Call, call other people, connect, see how they're doing, see if they need anything. You know, the, we're sharing, we're, we're coordinating, we're encouraging. And that's the way we keep each other built up and strengthened during this period of time. And we're going to engage in fellowship. Tonight at 7 o'clock, we're going to do a Facebook Live where you can connect again and we're going to pray with one another. And, um, and if you're a regular attender of Vertical Life Church, you should have gotten an email where at 5.30 we're going to actually do a Zoom conference call where we can talk face-to-face. -face. If you haven't, message our page and uh, we'll get that information to you for tonight. But we're going to connect and we're going to continue to connect and fellowship to keep each other encouraged and keep our faith strong. Number three, we're going to engage in giving. Again, when crisis comes, you've already seen it at the grocery store. People tend to hoard their resources. And God hasn't called us to be stingy people. He's called us to be generous people. In 1 John 3.17, it says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Part of the faith family, part of being a believer, is for God's love to be on display in our lives. And one of the ways, one of the powerful ways we do that is in sharing our resources, is giving, is, is helping one another out. And we've been blessed already this week. We got, we got several gifts from our family. We've been spoiled, rotten. I think the Henry family is going to be 15 pounds heavier by the time this whole thing's over. And so uh, we thank you, everyone that's thought of us. But we're doing the same thing. We're, we're thinking of other people, ways we can share our finances and our resources. And... And as believers, we shouldn't want more than enough. We should be content with God just providing our needs and then using the extra to bless other people. But we also need to remember that God has challenged us in our faith that we put Him first and priority in our lives in all areas. That we give Him the first and the best. And I would encourage you to not shrink back on giving to the Lord. This past week, uh, I got laid off from my part-time job. And it was unexpected. We didn't see it. But even with that, my wife and I, we have committed that we're going to give first to the Lord. Because we have seen and we've experienced how every time we remain faithful in our giving, that God is faithful to meet every need that we have. So I want to encourage you to do that. God, even in Malachi chapter 3, issues the believer a challenge. He says, test me in this. Test me that if you give faithfully, if you give your first and your best to the Lord. Will I not open the windows of heaven and pour down a blessing that you cannot contain? And a word that God shared with me this week. says, an open heaven pours down a flood, but a closed heaven pours down a famine. And during times of crisis like this, we don't want closed heavens over our families. We want open heavens. So we need to put God first. That faith is tangible. And we begin with our finances. Jesus said... 
that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you're investing in the kingdom, if you're putting God first in all areas, that we will have all that we need and more than enough so that we can help one another. And even this week, we were asked to help meet needs in our community. And this is one of the ways we do that as a church, is through giving. And so we appreciate everyone who gives. But I just want to encourage you that no matter what the days look like, no matter how long this goes on, rather than living in fear, faith engaged activates a response. And with an active faith, God works miracles. We read it in Hebrews chapter 11. We experience it in our everyday lives. When your faith is active, when you're, when you're doing the will of God, that you're going to see miracles happen. And what a blessing it is to be a part of somebody's miracle. What a joy. I can't tell you not. I, don't th I think I'm blessed more than others. My wife can agree that when we're a part of somebody's miracle, we feel like we're great, blessed in a greater way than even they are. And I want to encourage you with Psalm 91, verses 1 through 4, as we bring this time to a close. I just speak this over you as a blessing, that we don't let fear dominate, that we trust in the Lord, that we seek Him first, that we stay faithful, we let our faith rise and become active in our lives. And I know God is going to see us through. Psalm 91, beginning in verse 1. It says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust in Him. For He will rescue you from every trap. He'll protect you from deadly disease. He'll cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Amen? You believe that, church? Man, I believe it. And I'm thankful for God who never fails, who always keeps His promises. As we close and we enter just a time of, of response and prayer. It's time for our church to rise. It's time for our faith to rise. Not to hide our light under the bush, like the old song says, but to raise it for all to see. These may be dark days, but let me remind you that God's light shines brightest in the darkness. Well, we were just doing a campfire the other night. Our family was. My wife and I were just sitting and we we're just staring at this fire. And all around us, it was pitch black. It was dark. But we were staring at the light. It's like it didn't matter what was going on around us because we were focused on the light. And this is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to keep us focused on Him, on Jesus, on the truth, on His promises, so that all that we can see is light. And it won't matter what's happening around us. There's some here today. I believe my heart. God spoke to me last night. There's some that are watching, that are going to watch this, that need to begin a relationship with God. You're living in fear because you don't have, one, the assurity of your salvation. You don't know that if you were to pass away, that you would go to heaven, that, that even God loves you. And I'm here to tell you, God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for your sins. And all you have to do, according to the word of God, is receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you can do that right here in just a moment. You can accept Christ as your Savior. And you can begin a relationship with God. You become a new creature today. All the old stuff, everything in the past, it's gone when you become a new creation in Christ. And I want to encourage you today, in just a minute, when we pray, you believe what God's Word says with all your heart, that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He paid your price on the cross, and God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. And God's going to transform your life. 
But there are others here today that you need to surrender your life again to the Lord. You've been living almost like a Christian atheist. You, you say you believe, but you've been living like God doesn't exist. Rather than, you, it's, it's like this idea that you're a child of the world living, trying to fit God into your life, rather than living as a child of God who exists in the world. Your priorities, your, your passions, your pursuits have not been kingdom. They've been selfish and self-centered. And so now you're, you're kind of in this state of unease because you're trying to find the presence of God because you've not been living in it. And I want to encourage you too today, church, that God still loves you and he's calling out for you. Beloved, if you've, you've been living your own life, you've been kind of living far from God, just trying to fit him in, you can begin anew today. You can surrender your life again. Maybe you've prayed a million prayers. Maybe you've been baptized, but you know in your heart that you're, something's not right. Something's amiss. You can reaffirm that today. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer together. Whether you need to begin a relationship with God or you need to surrender again to Him. Pray this with me. Pray this like God's standing right before you, because He is. And if you believe it with your heart, that faith is going to be manifest in your words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You're going to begin to release that life and God's going to do a transforming work. And then after we pray together, I want to bless you. I want to pray a blessing over your life as you begin this new journey with Jesus. If you need to pray, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your eternal grace and your unending mercy. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for living my own way. I know I need you in my life. Right now, I place my faith in Jesus, in his death and resurrection. I declare today, now and forever, that he is Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me now with the desire and the power to live for you now and always that you are first in my life. You're the place I run. You're my satisfaction. You are my hope. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm so excited for those of you that prayed that prayer. And I just want to pray a blessing on you. If you would, right where you are, just put your hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just bless them right now. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to invade their life right now. To come and fill them with your peace that passes all understanding. To cover them in the shelter of your wings. God, that they would experience your presence right now in Jesus' name like they've never experienced. God, those that have never heard your voice, fill them with the songs of joy you're singing on the, over them right now. God, those who've never felt your presence, God, cover them like a warm blanket as they've put on Christ. God, those who have been far away, I cast off all shame, all guilt, all condemnation. God, the past is over. We just break those chains off right now in Jesus' name. And God, right now, I just ask you, Lord, to fill them with joy. 
all fear get out in Jesus' name and be filled with the peace and joy and love of God. God, I call forth their identity in Jesus Christ as sons and daughters. That right now, God, a shift would begin in their life as they have trusted in you, Lord. And that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would just descend upon them right now in Jesus' name. And God, right now as we transition to a time of communion, remembering your sacrifice, God, that you administer hope, healing, comfort, and grace. God, all infirmity I cast out in Jesus' name. God, every malady, every sickness, every condition, every curse against the body, God, I just break in the name of Jesus, and I just ask you, Father, to do that healing work even now, right where you are. We trust you, God. We believe you, and we thank you for everyone joining us today. In Jesus' name, amen. church we want to say thank you for listening if this ministry has blessed you in any way please consider making a tax deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give thank you and god bless